our year of the promised land. Hallelujah. So on this note, please open your ears. Be inspired. Be challenged by the following testimonies. The first one says, delivered from demonic oppression during the night fire prayers on the 19th of October from Sister Akpene Anachui Kemedu. And she says, before I joined the night fire prayers on Thursday, the 19th of October, I was under a strange demonic oppression such that I couldn't even close my eyes when the prayer session was ongoing. Mysteriously, I saw a display of a black bear and snakes all over any time I closed my eyes. Fortunately for me, Reverend Ebenezer Kronipa prophetically picked up my keys while ministering that night. He prayed for me and declared an end to every manipulation from the pit of hell. She says, I typed out my testimony on Podbean after the man of God prayed for those who needed healing because I realized that those evil occurrences had ceased. I could close my eyes easily without having to experience any unwanted scary creatures. Creatures. Hallelujah. He says, Jesus is Lord. Or if you believe Jesus is Lord, let's celebrate him for delivering our sister from mysterious pictures and uh, demonic images of snakes and other, other things. The next one says, my daughter's temperature returned to normal during the night fire prayer. And this is from Maunyo Fume. And she says, my little daughter, Brielle, was running a temperature before night fire prayer started on Thursday the 19th of October. I typed out her name during the prayer so that the man of God Reverend Ebenezer could pray for her. And truly, the minute the prophet of God declared healing in Jesus' name, my daughter's temperature returned to normal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Reverend, for this powerful prayer session, which continues to be a blessing to many. The first clap was fake. Give the Lord a real one. This one says, I received my healing as the service was ongoing during the miracle service on the 29th of September. This is from Sister Tricia Sharon. She says, for some time now, I haven't been feeling well and nearly missed church service in the morning of Sunday, the 29th of October. I stayed for miracle service afterwards and as the service was ongoing that night, I began to feel relieved Every sickness disappeared from my body. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Sicknesses are disappearing from your body as well. If you believe it, shout a big amen. Right. The last one says, The Lord touched my throat and I began to speak again as the service was ongoing. This is from Sister Henrita Amaglo. And she says that, I woke up from a dream in which I was vomiting, only to start feeling pains in my throat afterwards. The pain in my throat affected my voice such that I couldn't even speak when I attended a miracle service on Sunday the 29th of October. She says, miraculously, the pain disappeared and I started talking again as the service was ongoing that night. She says, my voice returned to normal such that I was even able to share my testimony. I was truly happy. She says, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Will you be on your feet? And together, let's say a big thank you, Jesus. Close your eyes. Lift up your two hands. And bless the name of the Lord. Give Him some praise. Give the Lord praise. Say, thank you, Jesus. This morning, I am here in your presence. Blessed, I will receive from your presence in the name of the Lord Jesus. Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. Somebody shout a big amen and give a clap offering to the Lord. Can you take your seat in the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah. And lift up your right hand wherever you are seated and see after me. Say in the name of Jesus. 
say, Father, I declare my heart is open and my mind is ready to receive with humility the word of God that can change my life. Say, I declare I'll be blessed, I'll be empowered by God's word and my life will never be the same again. In Jesus' precious name, let your amen sound like thunder. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus Christ. This is our year of the promised land. And this month, the Lord is speaking to us specifically on possessing the land that he has promised. Possessing the land that he has promised. The Bible tells us that for lack of knowledge, my people perish. And so when we lack understanding of what God has made available and the divine provisionings of God, that can become the basis upon which we are not able to receive the best of God. If you don't understand what God has made available or what God is saying, you will not be able to experience what God is doing. So having a knowledge of, number one, and an insight into, number two, what God is saying is what to determine whether you are going to receive what God is doing or not. Jesus said that I do what I see my father do. So that means that without seeing what his father is doing, without having access to that information, Jesus' ministry may have been devoid of miracles, may have been devoid of signs and wonders. Jesus will not have seen any major work in his life except he could see what God was doing. This morning I pray for you that may you see what God is doing. May you hear what God is saying. May you have access to that which God is making available in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It is when you begin to understand these things that you are able to possess the land. Open your Bibles quickly with me to the book of Galatians chapter number 4. We'll be reading the first two verses of that chapter and that is going to become the premise of, of which I'm going to share with you shortly a few things that are on my mind on how we can possess our land. Galatians chapter number 4. The Bible says that now I say to you. Now, this was written by Paul the Apostle and was writing to the church in Galatia. And so he's telling them about who they were and who they are and what, how they can assess their inheritance in Christ. Now, when he studied the book of Galatians, Paul uh, systematically reveals the, 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 the purpose of the gospel in making Gentiles also to become heirs of God and heirs of the and, and explaining to us how even though we are not physically connected to Abraham, we still are the seed of Abraham. The Bible tells us that the promise was made not just to Abraham, but the promise of the inheritance was made to Abraham and his seed. And he said in talking about seed, he didn't say seeds. Other than that, the physical seeds of Abraham who have been the ones who he was talking about. But he said of seed as in a singular individual. And he said that that seed was Christ. And so if we are in Christ, we also are the seed of Abraham. And he closes chapter number 3 with uh, the statement that if we, are, if we are the seed of Abraham, then we are heirs of the promise. We are heirs of the promise. To be an heir means an inheritance has been willed to you. Are we together? Are we, are, am I right? To be an heir, H-E-I-R, means that there is an inheritance that a parent, a father, somebody who considers himself uh, higher than you has made available to you. Glory to Jesus Christ. And so the reason why many fathers are working very hard is so that at the end of their life, they will have something that they are leaving for their children after them. Why? Because their children are not just their offspring. Their children are supposed to be heirs. They are also supposed to possess something that they as fathers, they as parents, have been able to work and to leave behind for their children. So if God is a father, then God must necessarily have certain inheritances that he has made available to us. And those inheritances are what the Bible calls the promises of God. The promises of God. And these promises are are what God initially made to Abraham or to Abraham. And so anybody who receives any inheritance in this world must be connected to Abraham. Because God gave all of the earth to Abraham. 
or God gave everything in this world to Abraham. So it was Abraham against the world. Abraham was now the possessor of the world. Abraham was the one. He said, out of, your, out of you shall every nation and every family in this earth be blessed. So, in other words, no family on the earth can be blessed except they have a connection to Abraham. Are we together? Are we together? I said, are we together? If you are not together, say no. Don't pretend that you are together when we are not together. Amen and amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. Ah, you have that at the back of your mind. I'm giving you this background so that you understand where we are going to in the word of God. So in Galatians chapter number 4, the verse number 1, he says that now, even though you are now heirs, I am saying something to you. That the heir, as long as he is a child, he differeth nothing from what a servant, though he be lord of all. Even though the heir, even though, uh, let's go back to the verse number one. He said, as long as the heir remains a child, he remains a child and abuse. Somebody who is an infant, somebody who has not matured, somebody who has not grown, he said, as even though he's there, he's not anything different from a servant. His experiences of life will be as a servant. And the Bible says that even though he's a lord of all, he's still considered a servant. Verse number two, but he's kept under tutors and governors until the time appointed by the father or the time appointed of the father. The goal of the deliverance of Israel when God delivered them from the land of Egypt was not just to deliver them from Pharaoh, but rather to take them to a promised land. Because it was a promised land that God gave to Abraham. They going to Egypt was just a transit. Egypt uh, is a type of the world. When we talk about Egypt, the picture that the Bible is showing us is a type of the world. In, I've, sh- I've, I've shared with you several times that the Old Testament uh, is in types and shadows. In other words, things over there are symbolic. God uses examples to teach us. So you see a story in the Old Testament, in a lot of cases you shouldn't take it literally. It could just be a symbolic representation of something that God is telling us. Are we together? So when we look at somebody like Isaac, Isaac, the story of Isaac did not just exist for us to know the history about Isaac, but was to be a prophetic indication of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. How God was going to give us his only begotten son, that through him redemption might come unto all. Through him, deliverance and joy will come to this world. So, Isaac means laughter. And Isaac was the one that God God, God asked Abraham for. He said, give me thy son, thy only son, Isaac. Why? Because one day, his only son, Jesus, was also going to be given as a sacrifice for all. That we together. So, the Old Testament is in types and shadows. It's in types and shadows. So when you look at Israel in the Old Testament, Israel also is a type, an example of God's vision. The real vision of God was not Israel. The real vision of God was the church. The real vision of God was the church. So for him to give a prophetic preempt or indicator of what he was going to do in the future to come, he chose for himself a special group of people out of the world. And this was Jacob or Israel. Telling us that one day he's also going to put pull out or select a special group. That's why in the book of James we say that we are royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Meaning we are specially selected and separated. Why? God has shown us a prophetic indicator in Israel. A group that he called specially unto himself because the vision of God was in the future with the church. Are we, are we together? I'm just trying to let you understand that the Old Testament is in types and shadows. So when you talk about Egypt, Egypt is talking about the world. When you talk about Pharaoh being the king or the lord of Egypt, we are talking about Satan, whom the Bible says that is the lord of the earth, or the lord of this world. He said, the prince of this world cometh, he has nothing in me. He was talking about Satan. He was talking about Satan. So, God delivered the children of Israel. I told you, Israel is a type of the church, which is you and I. He delivered them from Egypt. And so that means that God delivering us from the world and delivering us from Satan onto something. So, it is important 
for us to understand that God's work through Moses was not just about delivering them from Egypt and from Pharaoh. It was to take them back to a place that he had initially promised to Abraham many, 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 many years. Over 400, over six, uh, over 400, I, I don't think so, up to 500 years. But before the even, before the even, before the time that their deliverance was coming, are we together? So he had delivered them and he had given a promise over, over 500, I think probably it could be about 500 because the generation of Isaac came and then the generation of Jacob. It was in Jacob's generation that they went to Egypt. But the promise was made to Abraham. And the grandfather of Jacob was Abraham. So if Abraham, how many years did Abraham live? 100 and what? 100 and what? 100 and what? 175. Amen and amen. Now, Everybody's like, wow, Charlie, I could have you. It's in the same Bible that you're also reading. But because you're not reading your Bible, glory to Jesus Christ. So, Abraham lived 175 years. The promise was made to him when he was about 75 years old. Are you understanding me? That's when God appeared to him and told him, I'm going to give you a, a, a child, Isaac. So, God, uh, Abraham's first encounter with God was around 75 years old. And so after 25 years, the promise was fulfilled in Isaac. Glory to Jesus. And he lived another 75 years. So that's 75. Now how many years did Isaac also live? Hello. How many? <laughs> I don't know whether you are reading the Quran or you are reading the Bible. <laughs> uh, what are the Google scholars? Glory to you. We are just doing some calculation over here. We want to know how many years it was before God is entered the, the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. So if he, if he received the promise at uh, 75 and he died at 175, so that's about 100 years. Along the line, Isaac came. So Isaac came at 100 years. And so Isaac was about at least 75 years before uh, Abraham died. Glory to Jesus. 180 years. He had the five count. Glory to Jesus Christ. So, I say 180 years. So, let's say 100 years. Uh, that 180 years, man. So, that's another. Uh, oh, uh, the Sudan is almost about 200 years before Jacob also came. <laughs> amen and amen. So, now, the promise, that means that the promise was made about 600 years before the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. The prophecy. The promise was not for them to be delivered from Egypt. The promise was for them to own a certain land. To possess what it was called, the, what was to be called the promised land. I'm just trying to un- let you understand something over here. God's work in our lives is not just about deliverance. It's not just about delivering us from Satan. It's not just about delivering us from the world. It's not just about delivering us from the penalty and the trouble of sin. But it was because his vision was towards something called the promised land. So God delivering them from Egypt was not just about their deliverance, but to take them to their original inheritance, which is the promised land. Glory to Jesus. So God is more interested in where he's taking you to than where he's taking you from. Are we together? That is the vision of God. That is what God has in his mind. It was a fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise and the covenants. It was supposed to be a place of rest. The promised land was supposed to be a place of rest. A place of the grace of God. A place where their labors will yield them beyond their wildest imaginations. In Deuteronomy chapter number 8, you read from the verse number 7 to the verse number 9, the Bible tells us or gives us a picture of, of the promised land or, the, or how the land is described. He said, for the Lord thy God bringeth you into a good land. So it's a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and death that spring out of valleys and out of hills. This is talking about uh, the land. It's a well-watered land. A well-watered land. Let's look at the verse number 8. The verse number 8. He said, it was a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey. So it was a fruitful land with abundance. Look at the verse number nine. Look at the verse number nine. He said, it's a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, and thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. 
took, he said that it was a land of prosperity. A land where there was no scarcity. A land where poverty was foreign to them. Even the stones that they threw away were like precious iron. Their heels, they could, when they were, they, were, they were digging through their heels, they were actually digging brass, another precious mineral. So it was a land of prosperity. A land of abundance. And that is the promised land that God has call them to. And by typology, we know that as children of God, as believers, as a church, God has also called us into a certain promised land. You are going to possess your promised land. I say you are going to possess your promised land. I say you are going to possess your promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter number 11, if you don't say amen me, I'll just continue without you. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse number 10. He gives us another picture of the promised land. He said, for the land, whether thou goest in to possess it, it's not as the land of Egypt. He now begins to make a comparison over here. The land that they are going into, comparing it to Egypt. He says that it is not like of Egypt, from whence you came out, where you sowed your seed and you watered it with thy foot, as a garden of herbs. So, let's read and start. Uh, verse number 11. But the land where you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drink a water of the rain of heaven. It drinks water of the rain of heaven. A land with the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. What he was talking about over here was comparing how they were able to do work in the land of Egypt against the promised land. And he said that the land that he has promised to them the place he's sending them to was not to be compared to Egypt. He said in Egypt when they were sowing their seeds and they were uh, planting they watered it by their foot. When you study the history of Israel in Egypt, you realize that anytime they wanted to go and get water to water their, their, their fields, they had to go on foot, carrying buckets, uh, or threading certain uh, mills, so that the water will flow from the Nile to the fields where they are planted. And so it was talking about work. It represented human efforts, human sweat, labors, works that are pertaining to the flesh. But he's saying that in the land of promise, in the promised land, they do not need to go on foot. But in that land, the water comes from heaven. Somebody's not understanding me. Talking about the grace of God. Talking about the finished work of God. A place where it is not your efforts that bring you abundance, but it is the goodness of God that supplies you. That is how the promised land is supposed to be. Unfortunately, many of those children don't like grace. They want to do work. They want to feel as though they are the ones who are working. They deserve it. It is their effort. But listen to me. God, the Bible says that he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own labors. And that is the promised land. It is a place of rest. A place where your labors. Oh my goodness. Are not what you depend upon. But it, you depend on grace. It depends on the grace of God. To talk about rest doesn't mean that you are going there to sleep. Rest is different from sleep. When you talk about the rest of the spirit, we are not talking about human efforts, but we are talking about spirit-guided efforts. You, you, you plant one, but supernaturally you get ten. One is supposed to be equivalent to one. But when in the place of rest, in the place of the grace of God, your every little effort yields extra extraordinary results. That is how God wants our lives to be. I pray for somebody that God will cause you to enter into rest. I say I pray that God will cause you to enter into rest in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have given you by typology that Egypt represents the world. Israel represents the church. Pharaoh represents Satan. Now, the promised land, what does the promised land represent? Amongst many Bible scholars, they teach that the promised land represents heaven, where we are going to enter into the full rest of God. But you see, it cannot be so, because when they entered into the land of promise, Canaan land, it was a land which had hills and valleys, yes, a land which was supplied by waters and brooks, yes, but the Bible tells us there were giants in the land. There were enemies that they needed to fight to be able to possess the land. In heaven, there are not going to be any enemies. There are not going to be any giants in heaven. So, heaven cannot be a type of the promised land. Heaven cannot be a type of the promised land. When we talk about the promised land, we are talking about a place in this earth where we are walking in the fullness of the finished work of Christ.
It is the promised land. I wrote this thing down. You can write this. The promised land is actually a type of us experiencing the best of God through the power of the Holy Spirit while still on this earth. Whilst we're on this earth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we see differences taking place in our lives. We see manifestations of glory and grace right there in this earth. Like, for instance, we are in Ghana and the economy is going very badly. Things are not happening like the way they are supposed to. But to be in your promised land means that you are still in Ghana and you are still doing well, despite the situations that are in this world. Are we together? How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. When everybody is failing, you can be doing well right here in Ghana. I say you can be doing well right here in Ghana. The promised land is also talking about a place of victory attained by the believer over the over sin, the devil, and circumstances in this world. The promised land to the believer is a place of walking in the finished works and the provisions of Christ while still on this earth. So there is a dimension where we can get to, where we experience heaven on earth. It is a place in the spirit. It is a place of heavenly supply. It is a place where we are walking in fullness of everything that God has spoken to us. Where the promises of God are being fulfilled in our lives. And listen to me, it is possible. Tap somebody beside you and tell the person it is possible. Oh, the, the person didn't hear. Tap another person and tell the person it is possible. Look, it is possible that right here in this world, God can be taking care of us. God can be taking care of us. The Bible tells us that even in Egypt, God prepared a special place for his children called Goshen. And in Goshen, when there was darkness in Egypt, out of Goshen there was light. When there was sickness in Egypt, out of Goshen there was health. When things were going badly in Egypt, Goshen experienced a certain protection from God. Goshen was a small typology of the promised land, even in Egypt. Even in Egypt. So God's plan and purpose for us is for us to walk in victory. To walk as victoriously as we can before the coming of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. There is a promised land experience for every child of God. And I prophesy into your life that you are going to experience that promised land. The promised land is a place where curses, demonic oppressions are not able to prevail over you. The promised land is a place where sickness and the, and the limitations in this world are not able to prevail over you. The promised land is a place where the supernatural power of God is causing you to walk in constant victory over every work of the enemy. He said a thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee, but only with your eyes will you behold the reward of the wicked. He said you shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and over every power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. In heaven there will be no scorpions. In heaven there will be no lions. In heaven there will be no snakes. In heaven there will be no serpents to bite you. But upon this earth we are there to try to do a time. But the promised land is the place where we are working in absolute victory, absolute power, absolute authority and and the Lord is speaking to me that he's sending somebody under the sound of my voice uh, into your promised land. I said he's sending you into your promised land. Things are about to change in your life. Things are about to change in your life. Things are about to change in your life. Tell somebody beside you and tell the person things are changing. I tell another person, tell the person things are changing. Oh, it does not look like how it's going to be. But I see God bring you heaven on earth. I see God bring you heaven on earth. I see God bring you heaven on earth. When the whole earth is crying about coronavirus, we'll be celebrating divine help. We'll be celebrating divine supply in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has purposed the promised land for his children. For his children. Glory to Jesus Christ. Now, today my message is on how we can possess our promised land. How we can possess our promised land. Understand, you realize that not all the children of Israel were able to enter into the land. Only two of them were able to get there. Only two of the generation, and this is very scary. This is very scary. Out of over 2 million people that received the prophecy and the promise through the prophet Moses that they are sending them into a land that is filled with milk and honey, only two
Joshua. I'll be back. Only Joshua and Caleb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Only Joshua and Caleb were able to possess the land out of all these people who received the prophecy. And this is where we need to we need to get serious as Christians. We need to get serious as the children of God. Because it is not just about hearing something. It is about receiving the manifestation of that thing. There are many people who receive a lot of prophecies. But how many of them are walking in the manifestation of the prophecy? And sometimes people say that, oh, uh, it wasn't a powerful man of God. No, it's because you're not a powerful Christian. It's not about how powerful the man of God is. It's about how powerful your faith as a child of God is. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. He said, believe in the Lord your God and be established. Believe also his prophets and you prosper. So it means that the prophets are there and you believing is also there. So believe also his prophets and you will prosper. So your faith has a part to play in it. Your faith has a part to play in it. What you do, how do you build yourself as a child of God? How do you build yourself as a child of God? Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb. There was the promise. God literally used, listen, used miracles, used plagues, used signs and wonders to deliver an entire generation. He taught Pharaoh and Egypt a lesson. He impoverished them just to save all these two million people. And yes, only two of them entered the promised land. Listen, you might, I hope you are getting it. It is a serious matter. If God hadn't made such an effort to deliver them, I would have understood that, oh, maybe it wasn't a serious promise. But God went through all that effort. And the Bible said, he carried them on eagle's wings. And yet only two. Only two. Only two. Only two. So how are we also in our generation going to possess our promised land? Galatians chapter number four, verse number one. Even though we are heirs, even though there is a promise of an, of an inheritance, of a promised land that God has made available unto us. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 is telling us the reason why many Christians remain sick. The reason why many Christians experience the shorthand of life. The reason why things don't seem to go according to the prophetic word, according to the promises of God, according to the provisions of God. For instance, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed, and yet we fall sick every now and then. Sometimes some Christians fall so terribly sick that they die from that sickness. That is not how God wants your life to end. God, I'm telling you the truth, God has no purpose that a Christian should die out of sickness. If I were study the Bible, all those who died from sickness, according to the Old Testament, it was a curse that killed them. A curse that killed them. He used the curse of sickness to depopulate them, to reduce their numbers. So, God is not interested in you living this world through sickness. That is not his original plan. That is not his best. That is not his heart. The real Christian should live to a good old ripe age and then go. And then go. Look at how Moses died. The Bible says that at 120 years, he was still very strong. His natural eyes, sight was not abated. He was still very vibrant. And when the Lord said, I said, where to go? He went to the mountain and he left. He just left. He died. God has not called us to be weak and beggarly to the elements and the systems in this world. But you see, for as long as we remain baby Christians, even though we are heirs and lords of all, we will not possess our promised land. So my message title to you today is growing up spiritually to possess our promised land. How we need to engage spiritual growth to be able to to be able to lay hold or to possess what God has made available for us. I already gave you the background of Galatians chapter number 3. How it's established that we are heirs of God. And because we are heirs, the Bible says even because we are heirs, we are the lords of all. But even though you are the lord of all, once you are a spiritual babe, a spiritual child, somebody who has not matured in the things of God, you are still like a servant. 
You are still like a servant. A servant has no rights to the property. A servant has limited access to the resources and the provisions of the house. A servant is kept under laws and under controllers. A servant is not there forever. A servant can be sleeping in the house, but we will not give the, the best room to the servant. We will not give the best room to the servant. A servant can eat in the house, but we measure how much the servant will eat. There is a lot of limitations to the servant. The real owner of all things is the son. But the son, as long as he remains a babe, cannot control the house. So what happens? Galatians chapter 4 verse 2 says that he is kept under tutors and under governors until the time that is appointed of the father. What is the time that is appointed of the father? The time is the day that the heir will realize that I need to advance and to grow up spiritually to receive the best of what my father has made available for me. That tells you that spiritual growth it's not so automatic until you decide to make a decision that I cannot allow myself to remain a baby forever. So there are many who have been coming to church for 20 years and still spiritually they are babes. Spiritually they are babes. How do I know they are babes? Listen to the words that they speak. Listen to how they understand things. Listen to the things that they think about. Listen to watch their actions and you know that they are spiritual babes. You know that they are spiritual beings. The son is the owner. The Bible says he's the Lord of all. He's the Lord and the controller. He has unlimited access to all resources. He has higher confidence when he's engaging the things of the house. Because the thing belongs to him. When you are not mature spiritually, you don't even know that things belong to you. The best of God is only available for those who are mature spiritually. You need to desire to mature. So somebody decide you desire to mature. Ask the person, are you growing up spiritually? Or you are just like you started? Uh, how is the person looking? Ah, Glory to Jesus Christ. You need to desire to grow up spiritually. You need to desire to grow up spiritually. That's it. Uh, before I even go, I, I will be ending the message on how you can ma- mature spiritually. But what are some of the signs of maturity? Or in this case, probably immaturity. How do you know that you are not mature as a Christian? You see, there are many people who, because they have been in Christ for a long time, they want to claim that, oh, me, I've been in church for 10 years, so I'm mature. It doesn't work that way. In, in the spirit, it's not about how long you have been in a position. Now, if you put uh, an apple in a garage for 10 years, after 10 years, will the apple turn into a car? Oh, come on, please. I know some miracle workers are over here. Eh? Like, I'm going to get 10 apples. And I'll write uh, the names of Lamborghini, Lexus, Benz, uh, Benz apple. And after 10 years, I'll come and harvest my cars. Uh, glory to Jesus Christ. But it doesn't work that way. It's not about how long you have been in church. It's not about how long you have been in church. So there are signs that indicate our maturity or our immaturity. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 13, the verse number 11, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So the evidence is of, of your maturity is in your knowledge. And that knowledge is expressed through number one, your words. That I spoke as a child. I spoke as a child. Number two, your thoughts. I thought as a child. Number three, your understanding. I understood as a child. Understood as a child. For instance, we talk about uh, giving to prosper as a child of God, and how your tithing can secure your finances. And there's still somebody over here who still doesn't understand the understanding of giving and of being consistent with your tithing. It's a problem. You are still a child spiritually because your understanding has not grown. There's somebody over here, the devil comes tempting you, and the devil comes to tell you that, oh, as for you, you are a sinner, do you remember the things that you, you, you used to do, how you used to shock with that boy in the corner, and now you are standing here lifting up your hands, don't you know how sinful you are, and then you begin to become so weak and feel guilty, you see, you are a child, because you have not understood that in Christ Jesus, our sins have been remitted. And so your sins that you committed, the Lord has not remembered them anymore. But because your understanding of salvation is so weak, the devil can beat you left, right, center. 
When uh, you see a Christian have a dream and uh, a certain uh, witch in the family appears on the like, ah. I am the one. Oh, me my uncle baby. Oh, me chasu we nyonyam no. Hey, kia me chasu me chasu me chasu me chasu. And then he says, "Enzimami pray, enzimami pray." I know you are tired because you have not understood that Christ is your glory. Christ is your glory. Can they cut off Christ? I said, can they cut off Christ? But you see, when you are a child, you still think as though you are not born again. You still think as though you are bonded. You think like a servant. You understanding. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I taught as a child. I understood as a child. So you speak like you are a child. Hey, mewo, you are a child. Anything can kill you. You are afraid of everything. I spoke as a child. I taught as a child. I understood as a child, but thanks be to God that it is only it's not only childhood that is available. Maturity is there. Maturity is there. So when I became a man, I put aside childish things. Wow. I put aside childish things. So you need to mature spiritually. It will affect your speech. It will affect your understanding. It will affect your thinking. Glory to Jesus Christ. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Are you understanding the word? So, how do you think? How do you think? Do you think in line with the word or you think in line with the world? If somebody is immature, is the one thing that I'm going to save a lot of money and then I'll become rich. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. In Christ, we understand giving. We understand the principles of prosperity. In Christ, we understand our deliverance and our salvation. We understand our righteousness. We understand what faith is. We understand what God has made available for us in Christ Jesus. When you say you're a Christian, do you know what that means? When you're a child, you don't, you don't understand. Your understanding is very low. But when you grow up, tell somebody to grow up. Tell another person to grow up. And now tell yourself, I, am, I must grow up. So, your words, your thoughts, your understanding are, are expressions that show your maturity. Another area is your actions and your reactions to situations. Your actions and your reactions to situations. Look at the children of Israel. They did not enter the promised land because they were so based in understanding. At Kadesh Barnea, just when God was going to cause them to enter into the land, the promised land, the Bible said that this, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses that send some spies to go and spy out the land and then bring a report. The Bible said out of the twelve that were chosen from the tribes who were sent into the land, ten of them came with an evil report. Only Joshua and Caleb, I told you they were the only ones who entered into the promised land. That means that if we are going to use this in comparison to what we are studying, they were the only spiritually mature among the rest. So they were the only ones who were able to possess the promised land. The Bible said that ten came and said, Hey, this land that the, the, the Lord spoke to us about, look at the fruits that we brought with, with us. It is indeed a good land. A land that is full with milk and honey. A land which swallows up its inhabitants. It is such a great and a wonderful land. There is water everywhere. We don't even need rain. Water flows all over the place. Ah, the land is so rich. Even though the people are many, it takes care of them and they have even more than enough to even throw away. But they said but there are giants in the land. They said that these people are so big that when they look at us we are like grasshoppers. And which one we look at them we see ourselves as grasshoppers. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel when they heard this thing, when they heard the report of the tent, look at their reaction. Numbers chapter 14 verse 1 to 4. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel, they murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, Will God that we have died in the land of Egypt or will God that we died in the wilderness and wherefore have the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should we pray, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. You see, a baby Christian, when you are faced with challenges, now you are thinking of going 
back to the world. Thinking of going back to the world. So that, ah, well, there's no better grace in Egypt. Because they were babes. A baby Christian is always murmuring. And they wept that night. What well, in reaction to the news that they had. When you hear an evil news, well, how do you react? It's in COVID year 2020 that I saw that even a lot of pastors are babes. The fact that you are called into the ministry or you see somebody leading prayer doesn't mean that the person is mature. That is a gift. That is a gift. I come here preaching to you and teaching you the word of God. I may still be a babe. The fact that I'm teaching you this doesn't mean I'm mature. It is what I do, what I say, how I think that shows I'm mature. What I'm doing here is just a gift. It's just a gift. Your personal life is what expresses who you are. So you see somebody in front of the church, don't be deceived. When anointing comes upon you, you can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of things. <laughs> you can do a lot of things. But when anointing has lifted, it is your knowledge and the strength of your faith that will be holding you. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? So how do you react to situations? How do you react when it looks as though the word of God is not coming to pass? Let me go back to where I came from. Let me stop. You see, your mind, you are not programmed maturely. So look at the actions. The what? The moment. If you see a murmuring Christian, you see any Christian brother, you see the person complains a lot. Gossips a lot. Talk about people a lot. Talk about their chest and, and speak negative things. You should know that the person is a babe. Ha! I've seen Christian brothers who come and give wild visions. Hey, I saw this and they come very spiritual. And when they are saying it, you feel as like, mm, something is happening. They are a lot of them are babes. A lot of them are babes. A lot of them are babes. Baby Christians. They have not matured in the understanding and the experience of God. Are we together? So, how do you react to situations? How do you react to situations? So, look at their reaction in Kadesh Bania. It tells us how. It tells us how their maturity was. Look at their response. When Pharaoh, after God had delivered them using all these miracles, and they had that Pharaoh was chasing them, they got up again. I saw those chapter 14, 9 to 12. Oh, and they started rebelling against Moses. Why? Because of what they were going through. Because of what they were going through. Look at their response. When they were thirsty and hungry. Exodus chapter 16 verse 1 to 3. The Bible and they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel. Came into the wilderness of sin. Which is between Elam uh, Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month. After their departing of, from age of Egypt. And the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses. Why? Because of food and water. Because of hunger. When you are hungry, how do you behave? I said, how do you behave? Please, I want an answer. Please talk to me. I said, how do you behave? When there's not enough money in your bank account, how do you behave? When you apply for that school and you didn't get it, how do you behave? When you apply for that job and it seems as though God is not seeing your application, how do you behave? How do you behave? It tells whether you are mature or not. It is an evidence of your spiritual maturity. Are we together? Oh, I said, are we together? I said, are we together? Look, God wants us to grow up. God wants us to mature. And maturity is seen in our actions, our words. When it comes to spiritual things, everything starts with a desire. If there's no hunger and desire in you to advance spiritually, the likelihood that you mature is very slim. You can keep coming to church over and over again, but you don't grow up spiritually. You don't grow up spiritually. So it starts with a desire. It starts with a desire. If the online fiscal growth, spiritual growth is stimulated by desire and decision, you must consciously consciously decide to put aside childish sins. Look at what Paul said. He said, I put, I myself, I put it aside. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse number 11. 
Verse, verse Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. The wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. Verse number 2. Says, As newborn babes, what should you do? Desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow what? Thereby. Meaning the desire is not really about the milk. The desire is for the growth. But how do you grow? You desire for the milk so that you may grow thereby. So desire. Tell somebody desire. You need to desire to grow. Is anybody here as I've been speaking right now? You are thinking that, hey, maybe where I am, I must advance. I must make progress. Is anybody like that over here? I must make progress. That is the beginning of your desire. When you begin to identify who you are, where you are. That is why we teach these things. When we teach it, it helps you to position yourself. Locate yourself in your spiritual journey. The, 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 the purpose of these preachings and teachings is like putting a mirror before you. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. As we behold, an open face asking a mirror. So when you look in a mirror, you see the reflection of yourself. The word of God is a mirror. So when the word of God comes to you, it shows you a picture of where you are. Are we together? And when you see where you are, you are given the opportunity to make a decision. And, and that is what I'm leading you into. What decision are you going to make concerning your spiritual life after today? Are you still going to remain a spiritual babe? Or you are going to get up, arise, and begin to take your place as a child of God? So it starts with a desire. It starts with a desire. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. N- number two, eat the word of God. Growing spiritually is in some ways similar to growing physically. If you want to grow in muscles, what do you do? do you, you do what? You fast. You eat. And so natural food will grow natural stature. Spiritual food also grows spiritual stature. Eat the word. The same scripture, First Peter 2 verse 2. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Because the word of God is the food for the soul. is the food for the spirit. As you eat and you take in the word, growth becomes automatic. The only way your growth will become automatic is when you are constantly exposing yourself to the word of God. Somebody said, ah, when I read the Bible, I don't understand, so I don't see how I'm going to grow spiritually. Listen to me. Somebody went to the gym and the person said, I want to build strong muscles. And so he went to the gym on day number one and started living, lifting the muscles, the, 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 the dumbbells and then the weights. He lifted it. I said, today they have become a macho man. See? <laughs> By the time he finished after two hours, he was even slimmer than when he started. <laughs> hey, after all the sweat, I'm still slim. He said, okay, day number two. <laughs> By day number three, none of them were because nothing was showing. You see, when you are building muscles physically, you see, it is, you don't even know actually when your body begins to change. How many of you have been going to the gym? I, or I've seen some people going to the gym before. Because some of you, the gym, the... Back in the crowd, when the person who are called, when the person who are called, when the person who are called, when the my one part is enough. Hallelujah. Besides, we serve one God. The glory to Jesus Christ. So, in building muscles and building your physical stature, it is not in one day. You keep going and going and going. One day you look in the mirror and say, ah, my body has verified. My goodness. The body, the, the muscles have toned, the, the packs have come. You can see that your, the tone of your skin, everything has changed. Do you understand me? It doesn't happen, it, it, it happens almost miraculously. It is the same way as you keep taking in the word of God, exposing yourself to the word of God. One day before you realize, ah, you have become very mature spiritually. You have become very, your understanding has changed. The way you speak has changed. The addictions you have have stopped. Things have started changing in your life. 
You see, sometimes when you are praying, I, hey, I don't see anything changing. No, 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 no. Before you realize, when you open your eyes, all the miracles that you are praying about, they have happened. The other day, I was looking through a certain book that I used to write some of my prayer points in. And I, as I looked at them, over the years, even the ones that I thought that this one day, God is not even hearing me at all. Over the years, all of them have manifested. All of them have manifested. God has answered every one of those prayers. Even though at that moment, I didn't think that they were being heard. Spiritual things are that way. So, feed on the word of God. Eat the word. Keep taking it. Keep drinking it. Keep being a part of it. Gradually your understanding will be growing. James chapter 1 verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. So that your souls may be saved. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. We all with unveiled face. Beholding us in a glass. As in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So keep looking into the word. Number three, practice the word of God. Practice the word of God. Practice the word of God. Now, even though when you eat, it helps you develop muscles, but your muscles don't grow strong just by eating. Is that right? Is that right? What, how, that, how do your muscles get strong? Exercising them. Exercising them. So, now you are feeding on the word of God. But for you to grow, you must begin to exercise the word. Put the word into practice. Put the word into practice. Paul told Timothy that bodily exercise profited what? Profited what? Profited what? Profited what? Profited what? Little. But exercise unto godliness. Meaning spiritual exercises have even greater rewards. You need to learn to exercise the word of God. Exercise yourself in spiritual things. Hebrews chapter 5, the verse number 14, when he was talking about spiritual people, he said, but strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use, by reason of use have their senses exercised to descend between good and evil. You need to learn to exercise the word of God. For instance, the Bible talks about prayer. Talks about prayer. You need to learn how to create a prayer schedule for yourself. Learn to create a prayer schedule for yourself. Some of us, because our prayers have not been consistent from January to now, that is why we have not seen the promised land effect. You have not seen the promised land effect. So, you only pray when there is trouble. When you fall into trouble, hey, that's all the prayer meetings you are there. Nice fire you are there. When you see some sickness or some problem, that is when you start praying. Fire service prayers. But before you realize, half the house is bent. But, if you are going to take up what the word says, that pray without ceasing. You are not waiting for a problem before you start praying. No. You pray every day. You pray every day. Prayer is a part of your life. It's a part of your schedule. Before you realize, you'll be living the victorious Christian life. Don't look for problems before you pray. Pray even before the problems. Immunize yourself by prayer. Are we together? Are we together? So exercise yourself in the word. The Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word. So how much time do you spend with the word of God? Eat the word. Eat the word. Eat the word. The Bible says that let us not forsake the assemblies of of ourselves together. It is in the scripture. Practice it. The Bible says we should honor the law with our first fruit uh, and uh, our, 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 our substance and the first fruit of all our givings. Exercise yourself in the word. Exercise yourself in the word. Put the word to work. Are you understanding me? The Bible says that uh, if anybody is sick, let them pray. So you are feeling sick instead of crying and thinking about the first thing you are thinking about is paracetamol. No. The Lord says if I pray, I'll get healing. In the name of Jesus, I receive healing from this headache. Shakalabaya. And Papa says, when we do it, we shake our head. Ha! Amen and amen. Even on first day one o'clock, I did two ever. Are you understanding me? In the healing ministry, I, I wasn't always praying for people and they'll get healed as once. So. There are times I'll give you three days. That was when I was in senior high school. When the healing anointing has started coming small, small. Now I'll give you, I'm giving 12 hours. By, by 6 p.m. today, you see that the malaria is gone. 
my God, my God, my God. So gradually, gradually, I started praying for little, little things, little, little things, little sicknesses, little sicknesses. Now by the grace of God, even dead babies will come to life in my hands. Are you understanding me? Exercise yourself. Practice the word. Practice the word. If you don't practice it, you will never grow muscles spiritually. Listen to me. Strong faith doesn't come at once. Mountain moving faith doesn't come at once. Life changing faith doesn't come at once. It comes by gradual practice. Gradual practice. As you are practicing little by little. Oh, you needed 10 cities. Instead of going to borrow, I'm going to believe God for 10 Ghana cities. So, Father, I need 10 Ghana cities. You know, 1,000 Ghana cities is too high for you. So, you start with 10 cities. When you win over the 10 cities, ah, then go to 20. And then you pray. And then God miraculously gives you 20 cities. Wow. So, this thing works. Let me try 60 cities. What are you doing? You are practicing. You are practicing. Before, uh, how, many, is there, how many of you have, been going, have gone to the gym before? Uh, or you are... Uh, Master, you look like, or you have stopped. Apare, yeah, apare, good. Come, 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 come. So you are you are lifting weights, right? So how many? What's the greatest uh, number of kilograms you've been able to lift? What? Twenty kg, twenty kilograms. Hey, tell me, uh, you're strong. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. But on the day number one that you went. Was it 20 kg that you went for straight? What did you start with? You started with 5 kg. And then you moved towards 10. I told before you went to the 10, the 10 was impossible. But when you started with the 5, gradually, gradually, you increased towards 10. And before he realized, he had gone to 20 kg. Are you understanding me? Exercising yourself. Exercising yourself. Glory to Jesus Christ. Are you understanding me? So start with little things. Little things. Little things, little things, and start building your faith. Before you realize, one day you pray and God will give you a house. One day you pray and a cow will appear. One day you pray and things you never expected have started manifesting. But start somewhere, exercising yourself, practicing the word, little by little. There's victory for somebody over here. I said there's victory for somebody over here. In the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up to your feet right now. The last way by which you can grow up spiritually you stay in the company of spiritual people. Stay in the company of spiritual people. If all your friends are spiritual babies, there's no future for your, your, your spirit. If all your friends, they don't like the word of God, there's no future for your prayer life. You don't walk with people who like to pray, you will never pray. You don't walk with people who like the word of God, you will never grow up spiritually. Are you understanding me? So, who are your friends? Now, ask somebody beside who are your friends. Uh, no, ask, ask somebody who are your friends. If, if your friends are people who like to gossip, you are going to mature in gossiping. Oh, I said, if you are going to mature in gossiping. If your friends are people who like to insult, my God, your mouth will become sharper than a, two, a double-edged sword. If your friends are only people who like to do makeup, lipo lipo, your maturity is just going to be in lipo lipo. Oh, am I talking to somebody over here? If your friends are only people who like to change yourself, you'll be a master poser. Every pose, you know how to do it. Gadabaya. Is it that is why people walk with the rich, they end up becoming rich? The power of association. The power of association. If your friends are people who don't learn, master, bomb, lady, have you realized that most of the time in, in school, those who don't do well, they usually work together. And did you realize that those who also are the first in class, they also usually work together. Who are your friends? Change your friends, somebody. I said change your friends. Look, can I tell you something? Some of you, eh, the financial problems you are having is because you work with poor people too much. Obia only needs to say, oh, and I want any nancy. So we better change. You see, the house of God is a place where God teaches us principles by which we succeed. 
Some of you, until you came to our conversation, did you know how to pray for people? Associations. When you started associating with people went to St. Augustine's College, things are working for you. What are you talking about? Evergreen school. That's why the green is the color. I said green is the color. Blue is not any color. Green is the color. What are you talking about? Tell somebody association. The power association. Me, I became very powerful spiritually because I started working with spiritually powerful people. I used to have some two friends. Hey, the power of Sophia from working gossip to gossip. Hey, and the girls were suffering at the hands. That girl, I told the And so, I'll get to the house and I realize that spiritually I've become weak. After that, I said, no, these people, where I want to go is not where they are going. So I changed them. And I said, even some of the new people I started working were younger than me. But they were on fire. So when we meet, oh, we'll close from church and we'll meet at the junction. We'll share the word of God. Ah, church service will last for one hour, 30 minutes. Our meeting at the junction will last for two hours, 30 minutes. We have to have to make progress. By the time we get to the house, our parents are complaining. And yes, I was on the And what was happening? Almost all the people, all the people, almost all of them now they are very powerful spiritually. Your association. Your association. Who are those that you work with? Who are those that you work with? If you work with people who are always having spiritual problems, you also have spiritual problems. Work with people who are fit. Work with people who are ready to advance in the things of God. Your maturity will made manifest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give a clap of to Jesus. You can write the scripture down Psalm 1 verse 1 to 2. In Proverbs 13 verse 20. 